0: This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week of life made better. Today we have Shirley Kennett with us. Shirley joined and became a constable in the Metropolitan Police Service at 18 years of age and spent most of her career as a detective. Her final job in the police was working as a detective surgeon in the community safety unit where she managed cases relating to domestic violence until she was medically retired from the police in August 2017, as she suffered from several health issues. She then started her own business, working in her local community as a carer for the elderly. And earlier last year, well, tail end of last year, I should say, she set her own personal goal to get her health and well being back. She made the changes needed in her life and transformed her and inspired her to help others to do and feel the same. So she then became a coach herself and is on the path to help women feel better about themselves. Shirley, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me along. I am sure with that introduction, our audience will love to hear about you in a bit more detail and hear about this incredible journey. So can you share with us?
0: Yes, so I was brought up in Wimbledon, in southwest London, and I, from a very early age, probably about 12 years of age, decided I wanted to be a policewoman, so that was laughed at originally, because I was very small, but I was very sporty, and I knew that that was my passion, and I pursued it from about 15, 16, I started visiting Hendon, where I found out all about police cadets. So I actually joined the police cadets at just under 18, which is, they call it a year of self-discovery. And I think that that was a great title back then, because it's an age where you don't really know much about yourself, but you think you do. So I went (laughs) on a fantastic year with other people, same age, from all over England, Wales, Scotland and Ireland. And everybody that joined really had a purpose that they wanted to become a police officer at the end of it and during that time I was faced with many challenges physical and mental challenges moving away from home and being pushed to the limit physically doing marathons half marathons all sorts of real hard challenges and I think really they were testing our minds to see our mental strength and whether we would be capable of stepping into being police officers at such a young age So I grew up a lot during that year, and then I actually got voted best cadet at the end of it, which was a great achievement for me. And I then pursued my police career, which I absolutely loved. Within a couple of years of being a uniform officer, I decided I wanted to be a detective, and I did burglary squad, drug squad, plainclothes, all different units, and also the kidnap squad, which was based at Scotland Yard. So I have some great stories and really enjoyed my time working with people, and dealing with every single different type of member of the community that you can imagine, which I think probably helped me to become the person I am today. I'm quite an understanding person of all the different challenges people are faced with. And I always had this drive to help people from a very, very young age, and it just felt like a natural job for me to go into. Unfortunately, in 2012, towards the end of 2011, I ran the Dublin Marathon with five friends and we had a right laugh and it was great fun and I felt in a really good place. I was just approaching my 40th birthday in the April when I was sat around a table with 12 friends discussing my weekend away from my 40th. When I noticed I was sweating under one armpit and I had a small pimple come up and I remember going home that night and waking up the next day and my arm was a bit painful. So I left it a day or two and then decided I'd better go to the doctors. So I contacted the doctor and they did an examination and said it's a blocked hair follicle, which it was. But whilst there, they asked if they could do a breast examination And during that breast examination, they found a a lump on my breast in a very unusual place at the top of my rib cage where your bra sits. So it was very hard to find because it was on a bony part of my body. And they told me not to panic, but they were going to make an urgent referral. And within a week, I was having mammograms, biopsies, and a week later was told I had breast cancer, stage two. So that was a huge shock, as you can imagine. I went through the treatment of breast cancer, but they also decided to remove my ovaries as part of my treatment. And I went into an overnight menopause, which at 40, I have to say, I went from having high levels of estrogen to no levels of estrogen. And I think that this was probably the biggest impact on my health out of both of the things that I've talked about. But I carried on and I went back to work and I carried on being a police officer for a number of years. But I started noticing obviously the menopausal symptoms were harsh. I had severe sleep disruption, I had night sweats, I had anxiety, something I'd never suffered with before. And I was trying to survive on three or four hours sleep as a mum, wife, and a detective sergeant. And I basically started to feel unwell, went to my GP and They thought I had a chest infection, so put me on antibiotics. When I went back, they did the same. So I had two weeks of antibiotics. And on the third occasion, they took my blood pressure, and it was 216 over 112, which for anybody that knows anything about blood pressure, I was, in all seriousness, very, very close to having a heart attack or a stroke. So I was rushed in for emergency care. And it was at that point my GP said, enough's enough. You shouldn't return to the police because the stress, the sleepless nights, and I was still on cancer medication was just taking its toll on my body. So that's my story up until that point.
2: (laughs) Wow, that's such an admirable story as well, Shirley. I can hear so much passion and so much sadness as well of what you've gone through. And I think it's uh, brilliant that you've come here today to share this story. What I've just done a course in the wisdom of trauma with Gabo Maté, and he's a physician originally. Then he worked with people with mental health problems and addicts. And his learning is that when people have had a lot of stress in their life, that the body holds the score, basically. Do you think being a police officer, you would have had so many stressful incidents? Do you think that that had a big effect on your health?
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, I never really got a chance to rest. You know, every day I went into work, the workload was getting higher and bigger. And I was very much the sort of person that was a go-to person. So all of my colleagues would come to me with any issues at work or even personal issues. I was somebody they could relate to. And I feel now looking back that Did they try and support me? They probably, in their mind, thought they were supporting me. But it's very difficult to really know what's going on in somebody's life. And when you only are coping on three to four hours sleep a night, you're not making the best decisions. And I carried on working and working and working and doing extremely long hours at times to the detriment of my health mm-hmm. because I was passionate about the job yeah, I did yeah, yeah, yeah. and I cared yeah. about the job I did. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't the sort of person that could go into work and just switch off and mm-hmm. you know it wasn't that type of job it was it, it, it's a stressful job dealing with mm-hmm. domestic violence mm-hmm. because you're dealing with victims that are very vulnerable and quite often they want the suspect or their partners back into their lives and you're trying to, mm-hmm. to manage the situation there's often children involved so they're not easy cases to deal with Mm -hmm. Um, the stress involved in that
2: is enormous and you know what we've been hearing and what we we teach on our course where there's that much passion there has to be as much compassion for your body so you have to look after yourself as well as you would passionately do a stressful job you know otherwise you're in that survival mode and the body will adapt But eventually it will tell you when enough is enough.
1: And that's basically what it does. You know, what you said actually just sparked another thought. And I think it's fair to say that at any given point in any given career, when stress, you know, gets a pig, your body will definitely be alerting you of that, let alone the fact that you're dealing with these cases that we were just talking about where There's not only that sort of, I want to do a great job for the sake of of my working professional career, but it's also that sort of heaviness of the cases that you're dealing with, which not only are going to have that impact on what you do and how you do it, but in the way you see the world too. So of course, your body is going to be picking up on that sort of physical and emotional level. There is no 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 question in my in my eyes to do that. But equally I think what I'm picking up from usually is that passion, that determination, and that care. Because from where I stand, and obviously I haven't been a detective or been involved in those cases, you would only be able to do that sort of job if you deeply care by whoever you're helping, by the human Beings as a general rule of thumb.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is when you deeply care, is that you neglect yourself um, exactly. because you put all your heart into what you're investigating to try and get the best outcome for for the person that you're helping. And I think, like you said, Fleur, that you reach some sort of burnout. Like I was getting warning signals, so I was getting chest pain and I was getting severe headaches, and the doctor just said antibiotics. Two weeks. Now that was those were triggers that I was probably close to having a heart attack or a stroke. So, in all seriousness, that really wasn't dealt with great at the time. And I continued going back to work because I was working on a case at the time, which was a domestic kidnap. It was a horrendous case. And I should have gone sick and looked after myself better, but I kept wanting to make sure that the job got the right conclusion for the victim. And so I guess it's made me resilient, but I would like to, as a coach, my aim now is to try and recognise people that are having difficulties, talk about it, which I never did, before they reach burnout. And I didn't even know what coaching was. I've never even considered a coach or therapy prior to this. But I think when I went on my own personal journey last year and started to take time for myself, prioritise myself, look at myself. That was when I started to recognize the benefits of actually coaching, opening up, say admitting if you're finding something difficult and the menopause is a massive underrated, oh, I don't know if illness is the right word, condition. It really isn't talked about, especially not in the workplace. It's They're starting to bring about change but you know, if I was pregnant and I wasn't feeling great, I'd get time off. But when you're menopausal, it's so difficult because you might not have slept during the night, and you've got to get up the next day and function like you normally would. Even now, I'm nine years past my diagnosis of cancer, and I haven't slept through the night more than ten times in nine years.
2: Yeah, when sleep is the sleep is the basic for health and well-being. If you're not getting your sleep, your body, because you're an organism, cannot. Function properly and I know now I'm going through the perimenopause and I have a similar journey to you obviously I'm not as as stressful but I worked in really difficult challenging London schools and I got ME and I kept getting signs that that my body had had enough and it was only my body my mind and my heart was going I can still do this I can still help these kids I just didn't have the energy suddenly my body had gone no you cannot work 16 hour days anymore and look after three children and support an entrepreneurial husband I I totally relate to what you're saying and now I'm going through the you know perimenopause and the research I've done is that our brain changes as women three times puberty pregnancy and perimenopause which is why we we can't sleep and why we feel absolutely shattered but perimenopause isn't Something that is really highlighted menopause is, but actually the brain's already changed by that stage. it's the perimenopause that really makes us suffer
0: energy wise yeah, I can yeah feel your pain, but the sleep deprivation, like you say it I think that again that's so underrated of how it affects your mental and physical state because I'm a physically active person, and it really debilitated my enthusiasm for exercise and then mentally then you start to struggle and even now you know i have some good weeks and some but i i can then have a week of really struggling to get out mm-hmm. there
2: yeah, yeah. And exercise, I don't know about you, because I, I've come from a sports background. It's a coping mechanism. And when you can't use it anymore, it's like, well, what do I do now to, uh, you know, get the body going and the mind going? It's it's really difficult. I don't know what you found works for you, but I've found now that meditation is a huge help for me. Is there any other things that you've found that's been helpful? Funnily enough,
0: I think, do you know Mel Robbins? Yes. The American <laughs> yeah. So she yeah. brought about the five. The five second rule, and yeah. I absolutely love that. I use that sometimes to get out of bed.
2: Can you tell people what it is, Shirley? For anyone that doesn't know, Mel. Yes. Yeah,
0: so the five second rule is really simple, and I tell it to a lot of my clients, and they get great results. It literally is about giving yourself five seconds to force you into action. So you can use it in a positive way. For example, if you're lying in bed and you feel like I've got no energy, I can't get out of bed. I'm really struggling today. You say to yourself and you can deep breathe through it you say five four three two one and that forces you into action the minute you get to one it literally makes you go all right I'll get up and you might not feel great you know but once you're up you're up and then you're you know you've taken that first step
2: yeah and Mel come from depression as well didn't she and that's how she got to those strategies as well
0: yeah and you can use it for for many ways you can use it if you, with the menopause, some people really struggle with mood swings and they find that they're angry and having outbursts. And again, I use it to say to people give yourself five seconds before you shout or scream. <laughs> um, it just gives you that moment of clarity where you can maybe just gather yourself and think is this the right thing?
1: Yeah, I can let the feeling pass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But I would like to just pause a minute because listening to you too, what I'm hearing is a lot of, uh, you know, obviously menopause signifying. Can I just say Lucia's not near the menopause? <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. I'm, I'm, I'm barely in my 40s, so I'm sure I will be I will be joining that club very soon. Don't, don't despair, everybody. Uh, but obviously listening to that, obviously there are those three big milestones Uh when you're a woman, as we, as, as fled you just pointed out, menopause being the one that, to my liking, gets less talk about. And what I'm hearing between you two is that moment of change of life defining change in a way because things that you were used to do you no longer can things like you know exercising like sleeping things that quite frankly we all take for granted and it signifies that break with everything that you knew especially if you are you know very much into the exercising like some of us choose to do so I'm I'm wondering when this happened when all things fail and I quote unquote all things fail and you find yourself that you have to reinvent yourself or redefine the way that you see the world how do you do this because obviously one of the great tips that you just shared with us Shirley is that five second rule mm. but when you're looking at your life kind of like from afar uh, if you want if you want to zoom out yeah. and be like okay these things that I knew are no longer in place and in your case stop that up with this very successful career in the police and detective And that is no longer there. So how do you overcome that? How did you turn it around and discover a new passion?
0: Yeah, it's really difficult. And it took me some time, which is why I'd like to help other people not take as much time as it did me, because I think my health held me back. But I think it's about starting to take back control. And for me, I did that last January. So 14, 15 months ago. I've never put weight on. I've never had to diet. I've always exercised. And All of a sudden with the menopause, every year I was putting two or three pounds on, which doesn't sound a lot. But after eight years, I realized I'd put on a stone and a half, say. So I didn't feel great about myself. And because I didn't feel great about myself, it's like this recurring theme, isn't it? It's like, right, you look at yourself, you don't look at the person anymore that you were, you know, you feel all the weight goes on around your belly and you feel like, well, I'm running or I'm doing this, but I still can't lose it. So, I took back control and I did that by saying, right, okay, what can I target? So, yeah, I liked a couple of glasses of wine a few times a week. Okay, that's high in sugar. Let's cut back alcohol. Okay, let's start joining the gym and committing. So, I signed a personal trainer for the first time in my life and I bought a smaller plate because I love food. So, I don't snack in between meals, but I have a really good portion of food. So, I bought a smaller plate and put my meals on a smaller plate which actually made me feel like I was still having a full plate of food but it was just smaller so I was probably eating I don't know maybe a, a quarter less than I would be but those three things just it took three or four months you know it's the neural pathways it's the change but all of a sudden I, I didn't lose any weight I lost a couple of pounds in like six weeks I was really disappointed and I thought I've got to stick with this this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, this is a lifestyle. This is a change of lifestyle for me. So I stuck with it and I still do it now, 15 months later. So I haven't drunk any alcohol. I'm not suggesting you have to give up alcohol. You could probably go back and have a few. But those things all made me start to feel better about myself. I felt more energized. I felt more enthusiastic. Instead of thinking what lies ahead in the, the sort of, not dread, but is this it? I started to think, no, this isn't it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to help other people. And I can't wait to get out there. So I was always being told that you're inspirational because of the way I dealt with my cancer diagnosis and my blood pressure and running marathons and various other things. And I thought, I'm going to try and inspire other people by going into coaching. And that's how I ended up taking the step into coaching. And when I coach, I love it. I get such a buzz. I finish a mm-hmm. session and I'm just like, this is it. I found my true purpose. I'm yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think we both can relate to that. And that's that's why we love coaching as well. It is that seeing someone else's transformation is and their insights and helping them regain that control. You know, that's something we t- we teach uh, a course called Empowered to Thrive. And, you know, one of the exercises is the control of influence and what can you control and what can't you control and what bits do you want to commit to, which is what I'm hearing from you. You took back control of what you can control because there's nothing worse than just going, I'm stuck. The stuck feeling is the worst feeling. But once you start making those steps and you start feeling more in control you start feeling more empowered and then everything's a knock-on effect isn't it it ripples out to all parts of your life to your relationships to to your health to your career because you start feeling better about yourself so you have this energy that you didn't have before
0: and I think the key is taking personal responsibility because I think for many years I I just accepted the belly fat as like well it's the menopause and shrugged my shoulders and even though I didn't like it I was like, I just can't lose it. I don't know. I just can't lose it. And
2: then I literally thought, I've got to lose it. I've got yeah. to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's that thing, isn't it? You know, before we met our like husbands, we wouldn't have never gone. Well, I'm never going to find one. Yeah. You just keep trying, don't you? You keep putting yourself out there. You know, you take responsibility for meeting people. And yeah. it's the same thing when we hit the menopause. It's like, do I just give up, or is there bits that yeah. I can? take control of but what I loved hearing you say is you know how you love helping other people it's very hard to do alone and if you've got someone in your corner supporting you and really focusing on you it's so much easier than just, you know, I mean, I've spent God knows how many years I did my first health and science course when I was 16 and I'm 47 next week. So <laughs> God knows how many years trying to figure out all this, you know, how humans work. And if someone can work with you mm. and really focus on you and be that support for you, I mean, how much quicker and less painful it is to make that transformation
1: Well, and hold you through because I think, Shirley, going back to something that you said, is that you're stuck with it. And I think in this day and age where we see immediate compensation or rewards come by the second, it's just so hard to keep at it. Like, you eat healthy for two days and you expect to look like, you know, for for the oldies in the house, you will hear me, you you expect to look like Elle Macpherson. (laughs) And it's simply not. That is just not going to happen. You need to stick with it. And definitely, if you're looking at improving your life from a holistic level, which is like, you know, what coaches endeavor to do, it's just not going to happen overnight. And of course, you're going to have days where you feel on top of the world. And you're going to have days where you feel like, excuse my French, complete shit. Yeah. And it's finding that someone that is able to hold your hand and say, let's ride this wave together. It's going to be difficult. Is Not gonna feel great 100 percent of the time, but I can guarantee that when you get to that sort of finishing line, if you want to call it, because I do think we never cross that finishing line. There's always something else that we want to do or look into. But when you get there, you're gonna feel so much better and you're gonna thank yourself so much more for having believed in you and from having been there for yourself. And it's hard. Sometimes you don't have that belief, you don't have that resilience, you don't have, you may have the will but you don't have the will to take the action. Yeah,
0: I think now if I was to look back and I've got great friends, really, really close friends, friends that go back to school days and they were a great support to me, but none of them had been through the menopause because I went through it so young. And now looking back, I think I wished, really, really do wish that I had sought some support or some community and there is things out there now Well, they probably were then, but I didn't really know about them. And if I did, I probably thought they're not for me. And now I do realise the benefits of, like you say, Fleur and Lucia, having somebody on your side, somebody holding your hand, somebody guiding you, being there, supporting you. Because, yeah, when when you do have a bit of a rough period, you have to be resilient and not everybody can be. And so then they go back to bad habits. And it's about trying to maintain the good habits that you've put in place and trying to sustain them for longer periods of time yeah Yeah. and all the behavioral change
2: research shows actually that people make deep transformational change with support of another human being otherwise they do go up and down in change it's more of a roller coaster that deep change happens in relationship so I think that's even a more powerful reason that people to have a coach and I still don't think in the UK that people understand like you said you'd never really heard of it and before I did my coaching I didn't really understand it in big detail it sounded interesting to me I was curious to find out and it was only after I did the course I was like oh my god this is the best thing ever why no one told me about it that's why in the U.S. it's now more popular than psychotherapy, therapy, anything, because they see the results of looking at the whole person, not just looking at the mind, looking at the body, looking at the habits, looking at patterns.
0: It's the whole thing, isn't it? So. Yeah. And I think in this country, sometimes people see it as a weakness. And that's a real shame because having pushed myself through this transformational period, I feel now even stronger than I did. And I feel empowered to help other people on their journey.
2: Yeah, I mean, once you know it, you just want to tell everyone, don't you? You've got to do this. you got to learn all this stuff.
1: It's the best kept secret that it shouldn't be a secret whatsoever because I think I think you're right. It's only when you've gone through it and you've experienced it that you're able to then go in and talk about it and somehow remove the stigma that is attached to it because quite a lot of people think that if I get a coach, is, is put in the same bucket as if I get a, a therapist in that sense, is, is because it's something wrong with me. And I just want to sort of demystify that because it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. In fact, you can have what we called this, you know, good life. There might not be something necessarily wrong with yourself, but you just know that things could be better. And it's understanding that you don't have to settle for good when you can have great. And why wouldn't you want to have that? great when he suffer and he's you know on the table. And the other thing I would say is that people think that coaching is that sort of magic wand, somebody's gonna come and tell you what to do. And that's why perhaps a lot of people don't come into it because coaching means that you've got to do the work. We are not going to do it for you. If you want to change your life, it's gonna mean that you're gonna to have to to step into your power because you do have that power. And I think that's, that's you know, another downer, if you want to call it that way. But it's, it's something that people might feel a bit daunted about. Yeah, I
0: think they should see it as a positive thing and embrace it and be passionate about change and empower them to lead a happier, healthier life. Is You know, we're all living longer, generally. And you look back on photographs of somebody hundred years ago, when they were fifty, and you look at somebody now that's fifty, there's no no comparison. So look at Jennifer Lopez at fifty, please. I signed that contract. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jennifer
2: Lopez I has a coach. <laughs> all the people, all the people <laughs> yeah. like that
1: have
0: coaches. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're going to hopefully be here for many years ahead, and you want to lead a sort of happy, healthy lifestyle so that you can enjoy it and embrace it. That's
1: beautiful, Shirley. I'm conscious of time and that we're stealing quite a lot of yours. So I've got, a well, we've got a couple more questions. What are you currently curious about, Shirley?
0: I think for me, I'm a new coach and I'm very passionate and I've had some great responses from the people I've been coaching. I think probably the one thing I'm curious about is how you grow your business and make it as successful as you two have. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, mostly that has been through to start with just coaching people and getting them to really see the benefits. And as soon as you've had three or four people that have really see the benefits, they send their friend, their husband, their children in my (laughs) case, because I was a teacher for so long, so I also get teenagers. So it's that knock on effect I've really found. And also the course that we've done, Lucia and I, Empowered to Thrive it's blown us away with how successful it's been. And we started it by doing it for Universal Studios and they said it was one of their best courses. It was the best course of 2020. What do you need to add to that, Lucia?
1: <laughs> I think like, you know, there's, in my eyes, there's two things of how you can, you can grow. One is, is persist and keep doing it because I think, at the end of the day, it is what you do, not what you say that you will do. And when you're coming at it from such passion, from such will of, I just want to help people, that just shows. And people will pick up on that and people will come at you and be like, you know what, help me. And I think that's one of the key things from from, from coaching that it needs to come from your heart. I, I frequently say that I don't work. Because to me... It doesn't even feel like working is just so rewarding is that sort of thing that I would do even if I wasn't going to be paid. And obviously I've got two kids and a house to pay, so I need to be paid for that. But it's it's something that you align with from such passionate level that you just keep through it. And the other one I would say is not to shy away is... To not be afraid of have those conversations of explain to people what you do and how you do it, of putting yourself out there and and get people to sort of experience and understand what it is that you do, and from that you know as Flair said, kind of like your your clientele well, find you. Flair obviously specifies in this, uh, you know, mind and, and body and sort of holistic coaching. Mine is more based on how you can find happiness and joy in your life, understand that you can create it and giving you the tools and the power so you can do that and then start to see the good in life, which by the way, there's plenty. And so when you know what your power is, And when you're able to communicate that and let the people feel it, then that's when I think you start to grow. The things just start to happen and things all of a sudden start aligning. So I would say persist, continue to do what you love doing, find what you love doing in within this magic realm of coaching and just go for it.
0: So I've got an Instagram account, which is ready for real change and it's the number four so ready for real change is my instagram and my website is shirleykennett.co.uk and on that it does give quite a lot of information about me and what I do but I do love the idea of helping people at this stage in their life seeing that the future ahead of them can be great basically yeah I can feel <laughs> your passion Shirley
2: this is going to work out fine it will it will yeah it will be the domino effect. Oh, yeah, thank you. It will. just, yeah, really stay in your lane. I, you know, we found that there is people that we're not the best coaches for and we do pass them on. We do say that I'm not the right coach for you. Sometimes we pass them on to each other and we pass them on to other coaches. I think it, when you're really real and honest with people, they feel that. I spend an hour with each person I meet, first of all, and I I don't take them on if I don't think I can help them. And I think that's, you know, being really authentic and really honest about what you can do and what you can't do we're all different aren't we like every client we take on is different so Shirley can you sum up in one sentence how you've made your life better
0: I think I've had after my illness a break from working in an intense job and now I feel like I've found a passionate job like you say Lucia that's more of a a lifestyle for me I don't feel like it's a job it's something I'm loving and how have I made my life better? Well, I think I've been a great example to my family, to my, I've got two teenage boys, age 16 and 18. So inspiring them, you know, to look at lifestyle and fitness and generally hoping that I have inspired other women particularly to embrace this change that we that we're all going to be faced with. And some will suffer more than others. And knowing that there is somebody out there to support, hold your hand and guide you through a difficult stage in your life. That's
2: beautiful. Thank you for that. I can hear you're inspiring me anyway, so I know you're inspiring
1: oh, others. <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm 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 sure that same as Flair. I'm touched by this conversation and I'm sure that people who are listening to this now, in a week, in a month's time, evergreen. I'm going to be feeling the same. So we will make sure to be putting those handles and, and, and links that you mentioned on the notes so you're just one click away. But Shirley, we wish you all the very best in the adventure ahead. Thank We've got you. no doubt that we're going to be seeing you doing great things. So please let us know when, when, you know, all this magic is happening. Oh, I will do. And thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. It's been fantastic. <laughs> Oh, that's good. We've really enjoyed it. And to all of you tuning us one more week, thank you very much for staying with us. Thank you so much for sharing the love. We really appreciate it. We've received messages from people saying how much you're enjoying our talks and how helpful they are. So please continue to do so. We love hearing from you, and continue to spread the word and and you know share these episodes that we release with our love and and kindness, and share them with anybody that would benefit from hearing these stories. We wish to see you here next week and. And until then, please stay safe, stay sane, stay inspired and motivated and see you next week.